Welcome, everybody, to episode 14 of the Hot Rod Blues podcast. I'm your host, Sean Brereton with Auto Enthusiast Network. I'm Mike Abbott, Steel Rose Metal Co. I'm Sean Young with Kingfish Metalworks. And we got Matt Marion back there uh, producing for us. Big Matt. Yes. And uh, tonight we have a special guest, uh, two guests, actually, uh, just happened to be passing through town. I said, hey, we need to have you on the podcast. It's uh, Phil and Jill Painter. Uh, they... Um, they do the, the uh, Mopars and Muscle Cars at the Strip out in Vegas, and they flew in to Nashville to pick up a car, and they're on their way back. So uh, welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having invite. us. Thanks yeah. Well, it's great to have you. So uh, what kind of car did you pick up? Uh, it's a Hyundai. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We brought it here to be fabbed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Mike, Mike's real good at making things look better, but I don't well, know if he can do a Hyundai. A Hyundai. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the trick is, though, is it's all like pre-72. So is it, what, like 71 Hyundai? <laughs> yeah. Did they have them then? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> no, it's no. a what? It's a what? So we bought a 2022 scat pack with a manual transmission of all things nice just to drive back and it's going to las vegas and then going to probably head to alaska alaska yep. you gonna sell it or are you driving a, it to I, alaska? I have a friend up there really yeah. oh, that's cool that you're selling it too or are you going to you're just taking a trip no <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going that far no you refuse so after doing after doing the event as you know, we were shut down for COVID, and we did two of these events, which are monster undertakings. Yeah. In eight months, uh, we just needed a place to go clear our heads, and we threw a dart on a board and says, "Where could we go to get our heads blown up?" And we decided to hang out with you yeah. All right. <laughs> like, and <awesome>. your pals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was funny. Yeah. So they just just came in and just sat down. So, uh, so, so well, I'm glad that you guys came in. So what's on the agenda in Memphis? You guys just passing through? Or are you going to find a place to eat tonight? What, what's the plan? Well, our favorite play, place to get ribs at Rendezvous, so we're headed okay. there. Well, yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. always a must. That's, yeah. that's not a losing deal, man. Mm-hmm. That is not no, a losing deal. It works. We ordered rain, and we've had that, so we're yeah, pretty good. Yeah, we don't get rain yeah. at home. We're pretty happy. Absolutely. Yeah. You well, guys, you can stay in the night, or are you going to drive on through? What's the? Uh, we're probably staying with one of you guys. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I got spare rooms. It, it's usually it's usually Mike. When people yeah. come into town, I mean, it's always Mike. Me. Gene Winfield, when he did a class for Mike, he stayed at Mike's house. That's pretty he awesome. He stayed in my daughter's like solid pink, like little princess bed. <laughs> Tell, tell him about the church. I don't know if we even brought that up on the podcast. I don't know if we have. About so, Sunday church? Mike took him to church, and he wore Mike's clothes. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. He, <laughs> I'm that, telling the story for him. You got it. You got yeah. it. You got it. He was doing a great job, but uh, we we brought him in to do a class. Um, it was at my shop, but um, it was in a different building. And uh, he came in, I want to say it was either Thursday night. No, no. It was Friday. He came in Friday afternoon, and the moment he got here, they they wheeled him out of the airplane in a, in a wheelchair. And I was thinking to myself, oh, no, like, this is holy crap. And we get to the car, and I go to, like, grab the back of his arm and his hand and help him up. I was like, get your damn hands off. <laughs> All right. You know, this is the first time meeting him. So uh, he gets in the car. I'm like, look, you know, you want to go drop your stuff off? We already knew he was staying at my house. Um, or you want to go grab something to eat? What do we need to do? And he was like, I mean, we can go do all that if you want, but I'm trying to get to your shop and make sure you know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> and uh, so we came to my shop, and we worked until about midnight, and the whole time he's writing on a piece of paper, 
like the whole time. We're doing stuff, we're making tools, we're doing all this, writing on a piece of paper. I didn't know what he was writing. We get home at about midnight. A lot of traffic here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we get home at about midnight, and he hands me that piece of paper, and he said, I need you to have this list by tomorrow morning. And we were starting shop class at like 8, so yeah. we needed to be there at 7. Yeah. And it was an entire page of the most random articles you've ever thought of. A plow. It's in Like the back. a horse-drawn plow. Mike, <laughs> oh, gosh. Mike, it's in the back of my truck. Yeah. I have it in the back of my The plow that yeah, you got for Winfield. Yeah, it's, it's right there. It's, <laughs> it's like right there. But yeah, so so uh, you know, it was a it was an amazing experience. He he stayed at my house and uh, he was like, What time after we got done with class, it was really long. We didn't get out of there until like one o'clock in the morning Saturday. Class was supposed to end at like six. He's like, What time are we starting tomorrow? I said, Well, man, you know, I got a thing. Um, I was supposed to be on stage, like doing live blacksmith performance on stage at a church. Um, I said, so I got to do that. I said, you know, we can bring you here. You can start the class early. I'll just have to be late. He's like, now I want to start it without you. I'm like, okay, well, you're more than welcome to come to church with me. And uh, he was like, I ain't got no clothes. I was like, my wife will get you taken care of. I got to go do this thing. So uh, Gene showed up at church to watch me do live blacksmithing on stage in my dress clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty epic. Isn't, isn't this what brings us together wow. is these stories of these treasures like Gene? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, it, you know, it, it, as I was, a, I was a participant in the class, you know, and I, I, have, I have no intention of doing what Mike's doing, but, man, the little shortcuts and the knowledge that rolled out of that guy's head, Unbelievable. Oh, my my thing was is that he was, what, 90? Was he 90 at the time? He was 91. He was 91 oh at gosh. the time. And um, so that was three, two, three years ago. Yeah. And he was sick. Yeah. And He lost his voice Sunday. Yeah, lost his voice. In my ear and I had to do the class. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was pretty much, yeah, like he was almost like a translator for him. And But he, man, that guy never stopped. I mean, like. When it was like break time, um, hey, I got nothing over here, fellas. Just keep talking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep Sorry. Talking. Um, but uh, so they had uh, it like when we'd have break and stuff like that, he would be setting up for the next thing that they were doing. Like he never took a break. Never. He just. He just hmm. kept on rolling the whole time. It was it was pretty amazing. Well, that work ethic so, and that wow. passion is what I think drives all of us. And when you see yeah. a master's hand. Yeah. At work, yeah. we're all students. We want to watch. We want to absorb. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what I was there for. You know, I mean, I knew I'd never be doing a bunch of metal stuff and whatever. But but just to just to learn and watch, you know, I, obviously I took pictures, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, in, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah actually, um, uh, I can't remember. It was a Power Master, Power Master Performance used some of my photos from that class in an advertisement for i don't know his 92nd birthday or something where it was pretty cool i was pretty neat to to, to see my photos in there so it was like in street rider or um uh yeah i guess it was street rider at the time i can't even remember if street rider was around then or not still around but uh yeah it was pretty cool so it, well, it was neat to see him do what he can do you know in this day so. and age that craftsmanship We've got to get it documented why we can, because so many people have no idea what it takes to build something 
and somebody like Gene that can just look at a project and give you a to-do list. Right. And then take those shortcuts, and when you're done, it's origami, but it's cool. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it is such a treat to be around that and to be able to see that passion and that knowledge. And that's the cool thing about what we all do is we get to be around those guys. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So tell us. All right. So muscle, uh, Mopars and Muscle Cars at the Strip, it celebrated its 20th anniversary this year, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've been doing that thing for 20 years. How did you start it? How did you, I mean, how did you get involved in it? And how, where did it start as to what it is now? And, you know, I mean, obviously it takes place at the Strip at Las Vegas, which is a huge, amazing um, facility out there. And uh, you do autocross, drag racing, car show. And this year we had a rally, right? Mm -hmm. A vertical, uh, the vertical mile rally and stuff. So uh, it's pretty cool, but like, uh, obviously, we're in. We're we're going to be in our second year of a show that we put together, Memphis Legends show. And um, you know, what what can we glean from you? How do we how do we make this thing uh, grow and and get it to twenty years? You know, <laughs> Jill's just oh, laughing. That's a lot. Hey, Phil. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just that's asked like a, a whole that, lot. That, All right, that let, is let's a start lot. with that's how did it, how did it start? <laughs> right, the beginning. Yeah. Get, start at the beginning. How did it start? Go ahead. You want me to start? Sure. This ought to be fun. Well, Phil grew up, um, he grew up with all those models of cars, the 70s and the late 60s. So he had a passion for all those older cars from the get-go. His dad had a dealership, and when he saw him roll off the transporter and into the dealership, he was tugging on his dad's tail saying, I want one of those cars. And of course his dad was like, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you're not old enough to drive. And when you're 16 and you are, no, you're not getting a 70 Cuda right. for <laughs> your driver. When you start out, you know, you're going to get the four door so, <laughs> <laughs> off the back row. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. So I would say that's where his passion for the cars all started yeah. was from there. Yeah. So how did uh, how did the show the start? show started? Yeah, he, we had three different cars that we brought back here to the Mopar Nationals, and he had a bunch of guys saying, you know, we need a car out here. They were all just talking, talking, you know, how guys are. Yeah, and we need a car in the West. So a show in the an, West, an event, yeah. yeah, an event in the West, and. Um, that kind of got him thinking and everybody was like, yeah, if you'll do it, we'll help you. If you do it, we'll help you. You know, well, ended up. Yeah. How Phil many did around, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. So when it actually happened, Phil did it. I'll let you take over from there because you can go through all the details. We, he was on his way back from, sorry. Go ahead and you I'll tell, finish. this is best if you tell this part of the story. This is the good one. So um, he was on his way back from an event in St. Louis and got a phone call from the new track director that was at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway because he'd already, the old, the one that was there at the time, he'd offered, you know, like, yeah, let's do this event. And they just cut him off. No, we're not even going to entertain you doing this at the, you know, here. It's not going to work. Mm. And when they got the new track director, Chris Blair, he was going through a book of things that had happened and he wanted to get some things going. And he contacted Phil and said, hey, we have an opportunity. Do you want to take a look at it? I saw you had, like, tried to do this event before, but they, you know, said no, you know. So I don't know where he was at on his way home. He calls me, and he says, hey, 
they offered us the you know opportunity to do this event and this was in the fall and the event would have been in the spring like it always has been yeah and i remember my exact words to him were yeah sure yeah you do you do this event yeah sure if you want to do it yeah go ahead mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was home with four children the youngest being almost three and so he started and i could see he was like had his hands full yeah. and phil doesn't go at anything halfway it is full speed ahead and he's going to do everything he can to make it work that's just who he is yeah. so um i said to him one day um do you want me to help you get the mail i can pick the mail up for you and he's like yeah sure um, do you want me to help you answer the phone? You can't answer two phones. So I had found a clip and put the clip on my hip. I had found a headset for the phone. So here I am cooking, so cooking dinner. Uh, yeah, I'm cooking dinner, answering the phone, have a child, three-year-old on my leg. I mean, you know, it was crazy. Um, next thing I knew, I was just completely involved. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how it, you know, how it got going. And the first year of the event... I don't know where Phil got it. I just remember being in the front and him saying, hey, we're going to put this map up of the United States and let's just put these pegs out and see have people put where they're from on there. By the time the weekend was over, we had all 50 states on there. Wow. And I think Canada and I don't know about Mexico, but for Canada for sure. Wow. And we just looked at each other. We were amazed. We were like, holy crap, what just happened? Yeah. You know? <laughs> See, somebody was right about needing, a, <laughs> needing an event out west. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. I mean, he can give you his version of the story, but that's the short version of my half of the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one detail that Jill left out is we had competed Always. at the Mopar Nationals three times with three different cars, a fully restored TA Challenger, a Hemi Cuda, and then we bought a uh, lime green Challenger in Phoenix that a guy started by putting a 5.9 truck motor in it. And he tried to morph all of the wiring and everything else in and about halfway through he just tapped out and says i'm not doing this so i wanted a car that i could drive with efi on it so we took this car and worked on it and it was lime green and it was it looked good in pictures but it was rough yeah and we took it on the power tour the first time and we were in phoenix and this car fought us with a vibration because we didn't have the angles right in the Oh, the yeah. drive line, drive line. and uh, when we took it over to the power tour I parked it and I thought if somebody puts a, a cigarette in the gas tank and blows this thing up I'll be happy <laughs> <laughs> and we come back about two hours later I mean this car fought us a lot yeah and there's a business card on the uh, windshield wiper and I thought okay did I park in the wrong spot this is just the end of a bad day <laughs> we turn it over and it's the editor of hot rod yeah. I thought, okay, who's who's screwing with me? One of my buddies is doing this because <laughs> oh, there's no way in hell they want to talk to me. It wasn't long they come over and said, you know, we think this is a, the cutting edge of where this should be going. Would you be interested to do something with the car? Well, anyway, to make a long story short, we're putting this car together, and I, I was in a shop in a rough part of Las Vegas that did awesome exhaust. And the girl that waited on me all the time, because I, I come from a car dealership family, so yeah. we're building trucks and stuff. And we've had all these pretty late model trucks in there. And she looks up at the desk one day and she goes, can you answer a question for me? And I says, yeah. She says, what in the hell are you doing with that green thing out there? <laughs> Pointing <laughs> to the Challenger. Well, anyway, that Challenger ended up on the cover of Hot Rod. Wow, awesome. And uh, 
the best part of the car was we put a set of Budnick wheels on it, which nobody had seen on a muscle car at the time. Yeah. But the, it just set the car off. Long story short, we, th- we took that car and competed with it three different times at the Mulper Nationals and took second four times in a row. Nice. On the fifth try, we won the Mulper Nationals with the car. And the part of the story that Jill left off was we were driving from Ohio back to St. Louis to drop Jill off. And like a true brainiac car guy, I look over at my wife and say, I'm, oh, I'm glad I'm glad to have this over with. And I says, honey, I'm going to go home. I'm going to sell the trailer. I'm going to sell the car. I'm done with this car crap. <laughs> lies, lies, lies. Every one of them. <laughs> and that's when I got the phone call after September 11th, and the, the whole calendar had cleared. And you've seen the facility at Las Vegas Motor yeah, Speedway. It's huge. It's, uh, it's quite is that, an honor. I mean, is that facility, is that 20-year-old facility? I mean, it, how long is it that? It is. Been? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah really? Wow. So the history on the, let's, do, let's touch that just a second. So one of the casino owners actually built that with no sanctioning dates and then started to have health problems. He did an IndyCar race there. And then it wasn't long after that that Bruton Smith bought it and then uh, got a date with NASCAR. And then without a date with NHRA, he decided to build the drag strip that you were at. Yeah. And so being able to put on an event there was... It was like, you know, this is a league that we've not been in before. Yeah. But when I, be, before I went in and answered the call from Chris, I mentioned to Jill we were going to go do it. And she says, yeah, how hard could this be, of course? <laughs> and and we, we go in and sit down with Mr. Blair, who now runs the track at Worldwide Technology in St. Louis. Okay. He turns a contract around, pushes it over to me, and says, now you understand this is a guaranteed contract. Win, lose, or draw, that's what it's going to cost to do this. And I had seen the financials at a couple of other shows, and it didn't really scare me because I just thought, you know, if they can do it someplace else, we can do it here. There were, weren't a lot of these cars sold new in the West because nobody lived out there 50 years ago. Right. Right. Yeah, I didn't right. think about that. And yeah. there's a lot of guys that are now 60 years old that were retiring from jobs in other climates and wanting to go out there. And we thought, you know, we'll, we'll try this and see how it works. Yeah. And probably the coolest thing that happened, the track didn't tell me this. After I signed the contract, it was a guaranteed contract. Yeah. He says to us, yeah, we did an event while you were winning the Mopar Nationals. And we had seven guys show up. And, I mean, you talk about having the anvil go right to your toe. Wow. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, what did I just sign up for? Yeah. So we just. But that was August. August in Vegas, you don't want to be on blacktop or outside no anywhere. Way. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So yeah. what was interesting was this same track director when the first morning of the event, when I tell you that this overtook us, it overtook us in a way. You ask about events. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem that an event promoter can have is to have not any, have no one care about what they're doing. Right. And we had just the opposite problem. Yeah. But on the first morning when uh, you mentioned Gene Winfield, we have the good fortune of being friends with Bob Riggle. So I contracted Bob to come and do a wheel stand at the first event. He was sitting in the meeting with me the night before the event started. And Chris says to me, well, how's, you know, what do we need to prepare for? Are we going to have 14 race cars or whatever the numbers are? And I says, no, we've got 275 race cars. And he looks looks over at me and Bob and says, no shit. <laughs> really? And, and yeah, and then Bob says, yeah, and he's got their money too. 
I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but th- what an endorsement from the Hearst Hemi Underglass driver. <laughs> right. And the next morning, uh, Friday was supposed to just be a setup day. And when I tell you we worked, we worked around the clock. Yeah. yeah. We knew that guys that were into these 60s and 70s muscle cars, was, there was about a 10-year window. If we were going to capitalize on it in the entertainment capital of the world, we had to move. Right. And uh, people started coming out of the woodwork and saying, you know, if you'll do this right, we'll help you. So anyway, the the bullet point here I wanted to insert was is the morning that we were supposed to be set up for move-in, they were lined up clear out to Interstate 15, four wow. wide. Wow. And Chris rolled over in his car and says, where in the hell did all these Mopar people come from? Yeah. And it was crazy. So the Overwhelming. advice the advice I would give for event promoters is if you're not passionate about this and you don't have a real burning desire that keeps you in the garage at night, don't even try to do this because people right. see it. People yeah. can sniff you out. For sure. And if you're the real thing, like being in this shop right here, you can tell some talented hands are here. Yeah. And that's the that's the advice. If you're a stockbroker, don't go be an event promoter. That's right. If you, because people, yeah, genuinely, well, mm-hmm. they not so much see through it. They want to work with people that are passionate because they know that what the end result is going to be is going to be a celebration of all of our passion, right. not a way for a guy to make a buck. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's a long answer to your question, but I think that's the best <laughs> advice I no, can give anybody. That's that's a great answer, actually, because, um, you know, that that's probably the number one thing that um, I got while I was out there was how many times people were talking about you. And very rarely do you go to a show where people are talking about the promoter. Yeah, no, they nobody, rarely even know nobody, who they are. Yeah, it's my yeah. point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't. The shows I go to, I have no clue who the yeah. promoter is. Yeah, and that, that's pretty I normally incredible. do, yeah. but that's because I'm interested in doing shows, so I normally know who that yeah. guy oh, is. Oh, whatever. Yeah, you might whatever, know. Mike. Well, you I was say, your but, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Perfect. Over yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Oh, I do. But, but, you, might, but you might know who the person is, but I don't, you don't I don't hear, ever hear people talking about Yeah, you don't hear the name no. coming up, yeah. you know? And as I was going around and stuff, a lot of the, you know, the autocross guys or whatever, and I'm not even asking the question. They they would just say, you know, oh, well, Phil's doing this, Phil, you know? And it was, it was, it was eye-opening to me that, that it was obvious that you were passionate about it, and that's why those people were passionate about it. You know, well, and it, very hands-on. Yeah. Phil and myself, but especially Phil, has been very hands-on. You answer the phone. I mean, the phone gets answered by Phil. Yeah. You know, I used to help him more, but I've had to go to work full-time, so he answers the phone. I answer the emails. He answers all the DMs, you know? Yeah. So. A lot of fun for all that. Yeah. Well, it's busy, but that's why. Sean, that's a great compliment, and I don't hear it Mm -hmm. a lot, simply because that's not our focus. Yeah. Our focus is not about us. It's about you yeah. yeah right if you walk away here hoping that there will be another show and counting the days till the next one then we've done our job yeah right. for sure yeah, yeah. if yeah. i'm looking for a pat on the back i'm in the wrong business yeah. i'm and in the most, wrong lane like yeah. he said most of them aren't that way you know i won't name out shows but you know a number of the shows that i go to like like those guys are sitting in an office and they're worried about every person paying what they're supposed to pay and normally that's the conversations in those offices. They, they, you can tell that they do not care less about the, 
the cars, they're not passionate, or and maybe they started on passion, but it just ended up being about money. But um, mm-hmm. most of them, that's the way it, it looks in the office while the show's going on. There was a, um, an incident the year before Phil and I got married with his car that we had taken to an event. And he didn't check one box on his written application at the time, and they weren't going to let him participate at all. And so when Phil and I did this, and we'd driven, it was a two-day drive, okay, to get yeah, there. Right. And I said to Phil when we started, I said, we will not do that to people. Yeah. No. They're yeah. our customers. We will make things work. And right. that's been our, always been our attitude. I think that's made a difference. But yeah. there's a certain way you treat people. And, For sure. You know, someone who comes and travels that far from Canada, from Mexico, from Texas or whatever. Right. You don't just give them a bunch of crap and say sorry. You right. know, you make things work for them. Yeah, yeah y'all had. There were. I, I heard Canada quite a few times there. I mean, how long? How far is it from Canada to it's Las about, Vegas? It's oh, be, it's a nineteen-hour drive. Yeah. Is it, man? I mean, it was more than once that I heard. You know, that it's a Canadian driver. Or well, yeah. you know. once they got the border opened, and that would be something for you to really see next year because the the people south of the border and the Canadians, people don't think of Canadians being passionate or people in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah the people. Canadian people on the western part of Canada, they're, they're as passionate. I mean, we had a guy make it all the way to the winter circle in the Battle of the Brands in a Ford Roadster with a Ford motor in it. <laughs> Dig that. And the guys up in the tower were betting him, betting that he would make it to the finals just amongst themselves. Yeah. And they liked the car. And you should have seen the look on his face when he made it to the winter circles. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when they climb out of the car, Worth and it. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why you do all of this. And I think that's what every person that ever wanted to do an event has to concentrate on is this, you know, it, the hours and hours and hours it took to, to build the car, then to drive down here from Canada, and then to win the event. And you don't have to say anything. When he opens the door, out it comes. Yeah. And yeah. it is the that is the coolest part of the event is watching that emotion. Yeah. I've had people break down in tears. <clears throat> For sure. Uh, wives that are just, I mean, it's goosebumps watching some of these guys get out of the car when they yeah. finally have won. Yeah. I, I, um, I was walking back uh, through the staging lanes. I was heading back toward the staging lanes and um after somebody had just won and i guess it, i don't know if it was his wife his girlfriend whatever um you know he had he had just won you know so he was down the other end or whatever but she's on the phone immediately and she's like talking to her parents or something and like <laughs> we just won we just won whatever you know and i i got a couple couple of shots you know because i was just like you could see the elation of you know that like oh my god we won this thing you know so it was it was really That's really cool. cool thing you know so you're right kind of close i think that you know when the finals finally happened after the rainstorm and uh by the way i was i was going to tell you you were talking about rain. Yeah. If, you, if you want it to rain in Vegas, you just invite me to come because right. I've okay. come to your event twice, twice. and it's it rained. rained both times. I'm like, <laughs> whoever hears of rain in Vegas? Well, you, you bring up a great point yeah. about catching that emotion, and we see it. But one of the things that promoters also need to do is they need to be uh, conscientious that it's going on. And one of the things that's great about working with you is you see those moments, those those moments that need to be captured. Yeah. 
for instance, you made the comment that you're not a race photographer, but I think you captured that altered wheelbase from San Diego on the back bumper, the light that you captured. Yeah. Everybody that's seen that has an emotion that comes out when they see that picture. And that's really what events are about when you talk about how to have a successful event is, you know, it's not gasoline and chrome. You captured the emotion. So I sent him a note. Yeah. Uh, that's Joel Miner in San Diego, the Minor Threat. And he yeah, put the car threat. right on the back bumper. It's called Minor uh, Threat? Yeah, yeah. Minor. Mm-hmm. I love it all. And we, M- we M- I- yeah, that. M-I-N-E-R. Minor Threat. He's a minor. I love it already. He put it on one wheel. Really? Yeah. On the back bumper, one wheel. And it was a little out of focus. And you know, because I hit it dit, 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 as it went up or whatever, so it, it, it got the the one where it's standing on one wheel is slightly out of focus. But you're the but only it was person like, that will see I know. That. Well, you know, yeah. it's just, I was uh, standing on the other yeah. side of the track behind his wife, and she videotaped because it, it pulled to the right twice. But what was amazing is, is after putting it on the back bumper and the car making a hard move. When he got it back down on the ground, he was stabbed the throttle on the way he goes. So I sent him a note and I says, Joel, what the hell are you doing? He says, you asked me to come put on a show, man. <laughs> he did. Well, I, I was focused on him because he was in the other lane. Like normally, uh, the way I was taught anyway is if you're a drag racing photographer, you, you focus on the guy in your lane because you never know what's going to happen. If you're, you know, you have a 200 millimeter lens out there. And if you're focused on the guy in the other lane, right, you don't see that guy. That guy coming at you. He could be, yeah, he could be coming at you. So, but I, I saw him line up in that lane, and I saw him. I, I had pictures of him from the time before, so I was like, oh, well, I, I gotta focus on that guy because I know he's gonna stand this thing up, you know. <laughs> right. And man, did he ever stand it up? It was. I mean, it was. It was one wheel on the ground, and it and That's it epic. and it went right, and it it bounced. Twice, but I think he was on the gas when it bounced the first time. I mean, he was back on the gas and, and wow. gone. There's, was, a, there's an art to letting him down, and he knows that art. But, yeah. you know, the cool part about this is we were, we're talking as a group about events, but it takes someone like you to capture those moments. Yeah. And those, so many photographers are busy shooting, and they don't shoot quality. When Sean comes to the event, That's true. you're guaranteed that you're going to get a whole file of home runs yeah. that are going to make people look at it and go, holy crap look at my car yeah and that's the difference maker is having talent like yourself capture those images because you he just does a fantastic job i one of the one of the best i have ever seen yeah there are so many people that that say he's good for nothing i'm just so shocked (laughs) well i'm gonna if this is if you guys are recording this i'm going to say this is one talented dude show him a little bit of respect one thing that's awesome as long as i have one thing i'm good if i had one i'd be happy you know no thank you his his nighttime images yeah yeah the the light painted photos However, no, however they're done, yeah. yes, yeah. those are stunning. Yeah, they're epic. And people look at that, and I mean, it creates an oh shit moment for yeah. the guy that owns the car yeah. because yeah. all of those hours of work right. has now been captured and it's not washed out. Right, and it doesn't look like it was taken with a Polaroid thirty years ago. It looks like wow. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. It Thank looks you. it looks like artwork. Yes, is what it looks like. It doesn't look like a regular photo. It looks like 
a painting. I mean, mm-hmm. it really does. Thank Mike's going to have to get a bigger door so Sean's head will fit through. <laughs> That's you guys' problem, not Sean, mine. Exactly. Sean, Sean knows he's good at what he does. He's definitely not his award-winning personality. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no I, I got to say, like, uh, you know, I, I haven't been at it that long as far as photography is concerned. You know, I mean, I, I always liked photography and then, like, my wife and I have been married 20 years now, and um, and I bought my first good camera when we went on our honeymoon because I said, you know, I want I want a good camera. So, and it was you know entry level SLR camera and stuff. And so I took like thousand pictures or something, that. and um, and so every vacation, you know, I was taking pictures. And then, um, uh, and you hate taking pictures of people. I do. I do. I, I that that is one thing that I have to get better at, especially for events. I, I really I'm not good at taking photos of people. Like I just cars to me. Like I can move around them. I can do whatever, and I don't have to pose. I, you know, I can't pose them, and it's just to me, it's just a lot better. I, I don't know. I'm just so at the event. Everybody that has lady their talent on the phone. You actually took a picture of the lady. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I gotta see that. Photo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. I think, yeah, I'm almost positive I did. Whether it came out in focus or not, I don't know. But I was, <laughs> but, but I had the 200 millimeter lens on. Right. So I was way far away from her. Yeah. You know, so like, like I wasn't in her face. Right. I was, you know, so I wasn't affecting anything that she was doing. She may not even know that I was there. You know, so that's like the kind of stuff that I, yeah. I, I, I like to take those kind of shots, candid shots and things like that, where, where people don't even know that I'm, I'm well, there necessarily. Where it's real. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. posed. Yeah. It's right. not fake. It's real right. moments. And that that's one happening. of the reasons why that's, we love working yeah. with Sean, yeah. because our, our model for our event after 20 years, we had to kind of define what it is. And we came up with people, passion, performance. I like it. And I think that transcends all of the automotive field. But when you capture that moment with the people because foremost that is the most important quality that we have right and i think when you're talking about promotions it's remembering why people are there right this is not a blue light special at kmart this is a car event where some guy's been busting his rear end you know and his kid might be in the garage helping him and it might be a five out of ten but that doesn't mean at some point they're not going to develop the skills to be an 11 right yeah that's last year I, I didn't do it this year. I should have done it this year. But uh, last year, I, I I rode around on the golf cart and and took pictures in the pits. Um, I I took a few this year, but like last year, I just went around and just took photos in the pits. You know, as it, people were in their in their uh, uh, holler or something like that. You know, just like doing different things of that nature. So it, it was, that was fun. I mean, I really enjoy. I just enjoy the event. You know, and that's that's one of the things like I'm passionate about cars. So it's real easy for me, you know, to take pictures at, at car events. So but you make that sound so easy when you're trying to fight with cat videos on the Internet. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and all of the quote unquote shit that comes into your feed. For sure. Yeah. The, the images have had to get a whole lot better. And that's why a professional like you can capture that moment. And your picture has to do the talking. Right. It, there's nothing you can put in a caption. Right. Yeah. The picture either gets it or not, such as the Blue Roadrunner that you shot at night. 
for the years. for the leukemia victim right. that the car was built for. Yeah, I I I got through with the event, and I thought to myself, I hope somebody captured a good shot of the Luke Adams project. Yeah, and lo and behold, here comes your files, and bam. Yeah, got it. Good. Dig that. Yeah, and that picture you cool. you, you don't have to put a description by it. Right. It everybody knows that's been to the event knows the story and the picture does the talking. And that is, I think a lot of event promoters um, need to focus on that art because if you don't have the right image captured the right way, the craftsmanship doesn't show. That's right. And let's face it, how many of us get stuff on our phones right. you with all scroll. the technology? Yeah. yeah. You, you just, just scroll. Scroll mm-hmm. 30 feet a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and I gotta say, I, th- I think that's one of the things that um, that it, you know photographers suffer through. Professional photographers or semi-professional photographers, people who actually are photographers, is it's so hard to get past. Oh, I I, I can take that picture. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I got a phone or whatever. It's right. and it's not the same. It's not. It's not an edited photo. It's not, you know, there, there's different, like, I always tell people, like, I edit every photo that comes out of the camera. Well, this is a simply, you know, a simply put, there's quality, or there's yeah. quantity. Yeah. Because every photographer wants to come and shoot everything, and then there's quality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're the man when it comes to quality. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. We we uh. <laughs> such grief about this. We, we, <laughs> right. We're gonna give him a hard time. These guys later. don't even know what the hell I do. <laughs> I do. He's a badass when it comes to yeah, a camera. He is. He is. He is. But we uh we wound up going to the race of gentlemen last year, um, and we had wanted to go for forever. But to your point, the photos. What out of that. sell us? What sold us on that show? What made us want to travel? You know, across the world to go to that show and drive to that show is just the photos like like we didn't know what we were getting into we didn't really know we knew they raced on the beach but the only real reason why we even knew that is the pictures but the pictures that come out of that show are so epic that people come from all over the world it has nothing to do with anything people are saying about it you know there's i don't even know have you ever even watched a video from the race of gentlemen no, I don't know that I've ever even seen a video. I think it's the just only, the pictures I, I are say, so I think the good. only one I've seen is uh, the the one from Finland or something. That right? You, yeah, that, yeah. That you showed, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, every now and then you see them, but but you're right though. I mean that that's one that is one. You should have came to that. Show, I would love. Yeah, I want to shoot that event. Well, and it's this so brings cool. up a great so point. Different. People are, are so inundated with things that they think they've seen it, and you haven't seen it until you've experienced it. For sure. And, right. and you can attest to this. When you come and see what happens in an event like the one in Las Vegas, it's an experience. And all of your senses get an overload for the weekend. Yeah. And that's why photography is so important to promoters and what we're doing right here. Right. Being able to throw it around the table with passionate guys and discussing this because we're not selling toilet paper. Right. We're selling stuff that makes our heart beat. Right. Yeah. A lifestyle. And if you can't tell that by watching this, change the damn channel. Right. You're in the wrong spot. <laughs> right. Right. But but hit subscribe first. <laughs> All right. Sorry about the disclaimer, but hey. <laughs> no, you're right, man. You're right. Totally. You're absolutely right. So I hate to shift gears, 
but we have to get this on air before we get too deep into it. Sure. So Ed Roth lived in your town. Well, so the story <laughs> with Ed Roth is everybody knows he grew up or lived in L.A. Right. And one of the cool things about Ed Roth is uh, Chip Foose's uh, personal assistant attorney, uh, Carson Lev, grew up watching over Ed Roth's shoulder. Really? Yeah. And finally, because Ed's or uh, Carson's mom, if I got the story right, was working as a ticket taker at NHRA. And one day he was watching Ed Pinstripe. And Ed said to him, you're never going to learn it from back there. And brought him up. And Carson is a very accomplished individual, worked for Hot Wheels. Um, But Ed Roth taught him how to, to pinstripe and taught him the craft. Well, as I was looking on the wall, there's several images here from Ed Roth. Now, we, Jill and I, have lived in Las Vegas for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. But what people don't know is we're from a small farming community in the center of Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Not the exactly the hot. From there. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly the hot rod mecca that Memphis is. No. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a pair of thrush mufflers on your car. When I was a kid growing up, you're pretty much super shops material. It was right. a hot rod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, you're in good company because Sean Young came from a place called Coldwater, Mississippi. That's about a one horse town. I came from a place called Johnson, Kansas, in the Midwest. That might be one mile square. Where did you come from? I'm from Syracuse, New York. So. New York City. New, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Upstate New York, man. Yeah, yeah. And Matt, you're from a little small town, aren't you? 400 yeah. people, yeah, so you're in good company. We're, really? all, from, yeah. we're all small town boys, every yeah. one of us. Yeah, he still lives in small town. Yeah, I'm still small town. Yeah. Well, you still live in small town, too. By choice. Yeah. Yeah. I like small town. <laughs> well, so yeah. your question about Ed Roth yeah. was, uh, so growing up right in the center of Utah is a town called Manti, Utah. And the, the story goes when you're talking about Gene Winfield taking Gene to church, our claim to fame to match that story was we've been in church with Bob Riggle and how Ed Roth ended up in Utah was the Mormon missionaries in white shirts knocked on his door one day in LA right okay and he was looking for a change anyway to make a long story short he changed what he was doing in life and then moved to this little town in Utah Became it's an Mormon. agricultural Became town. Mormon? Mm-hmm. Really? I had no idea. Wow. I didn't know that yeah. either. So <laughs> the, the town is east of the interstate. So if you drive straight up Utah, that's Interstate 15. And it's probably, uh, no matter how you go, it's probably 90 minutes off of Interstate 15. Jesus. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it, what was that? So <laughs> that's where he's buried. Really? And uh, his wife... She still lives there. Still lives there, and she's got a museum behind their home and a gift shop. And every year, the first weekend in May, or the first weekend in June, excuse me, they they have a Big Daddy Ed Roth uh, big car event there to celebrate his life. And people come in from all over the go. world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> with our drag race background, one of the most talented artists right now is uh, Tukey, which is... Uh, What's his name? Lives in West Virginia. Bucky's kid. Bucky has his. Oh, Bucky. Travis Hess. Travis Hess. Travis Hess is probably the closest thing to Ed Roth in our day and age. He does some beautiful cars. So I was standing there 
at the U.S. Nationals at the biggest drag race of the year. And Travis comes up and he says, hey, Painter. And I says, yeah. He says, I, I understand you know where Mantee, Utah is. He <laughs> <laughs> says, well, you must be wanting to know about Ed Roth. Well, anyway, we were had moved away, but that's where Ed retired to. Yeah. And that's, if you look on their website, it's the first weekend in July every or June every year. But they have a big... Uh, celebration. Some of the stuff that you have on the the, the uh, microphone helps and things like that. Yeah. All these fabricators come in and donate awards, exactly. and all these pinstripers from all over the world that have taken that style and tried yeah. to take it forward. You and ask about Ed Roth. That's that's our Ed Roth story. Yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's awesome. pretty epic. What, what's his headstone look like? Is it pinstriped? Two tones. <laughs> Tell me it is. I have, it a has pi- to be. I have a picture of it on my phone. Really? Oh, we got to have that. Yeah, yeah you're, you're gonna you're gonna have to send that one to us. Yeah. Um, probably the most interesting thing is if you were to try to figure out a place that's the most unlikely place for Ed Roth to retire. Yeah. That would have been. That there. would be it. Yeah. For sure. So I I went to a junior college right by there. And Jill and I happened to be back in Manti, Utah, at when this car show was going on, and I didn't know that he had moved there. And it, it just seemed so odd that all these people were going crazy over Ed Roth. It's like, well, Ed Roth doesn't live here. Oh, yeah, he does. Wow. Big Daddy lives here. It's like, you got to be kidding me. What? <laughs> the biggest mistake I made was I was going to have a promotional po- poster done for my event, or not for my event, for my other business. And he agreed to paint it for me. Yeah. And as time happens, a lot of times, I didn't get it done and he didn't get it done. Yeah. And he passed away dang. within that year. But oh, dang, he's very much, a, I mean, this his legacy is known around the world. It's probably yeah. one of the most recognizable hot rod images anywhere in the world. I mean, I, sure. was, I was in Saudi Arabia and it was on guys' yeah. toolboxes over there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it is a, It is definitely a mecca of, I love reading the stories about him. You know, I used to be, of course, inebriated with, with anything Ed Roth, you know, and reading the books about him and the stories about a water-cooled um, Gatling gun on the roof of his building in Los Angeles. And, and the thing was water-cooled with a hot pink water hose that he ran through the shop up in the building. This is an account of, like, his son, you know, like remembering hanging out at his dad's shop and, I don't know. I don't remember exactly why he had a Gatling gun on the roof. <laughs> Who knows? You need one. You got to yeah. have one. <laughs> but he was looking for his dad, and he climbed a ladder. His dad's on the roof with a water-cooled Gatling gun with a hot pink water hose is what's cool on this Gatling gun. I'm like, what a dude. One of the things that's interesting as you study his life is he never had a big shop. No. Most of the time it was a one-car garage. That's right. And But his outlook on life was what I thought was so cool was is he says, what do I need a big shop for? When I open this door, the world is mine. That's exactly right. That's Very a cool. great, that is a great little uh, little quote right there. I love that. I, I never really followed uh, Ed Roth much. Like, I mean, I knew that, you know, he did Rat Fink and, yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff, but I've never, I've never paid real close attention to it. Or Von Dutch. Yeah, Man, I'm a big Von Dutch. Dutch fan. Yeah. And most people don't, don't like, they, you know, they think of the clothing. That's, most, that's what most people think Von Dutch is. But actually, most of the artwork on that clothing, um, the, whoever bought Von Dutch's name um, also bought um, Sailor Jerry's name, who was a right. um, very recognizable tattoo artist. And most of those images are actually Sailor Jerry images with Von Dutch's name on it. Um, Von Dutch was a pinstriper, but 
that was, I guess, why he was known. But Von Dutch was a machinist and a he's metal a, worker. Yeah, blacksmith. He's a beast. Blacksmith, yeah. made knives. Yeah. yeah. Really incredible man. Yeah. yeah. Motorcycle yeah. guy, super hmm. cool guy out there. The other thing that's cool about Ed Roth is, is you, you look at his work and how can somebody walk into a studio and see an image and it's the same thing with Gene and anybody else and he sees something completely different and right. he can fabricate it and he can make it and he can make it cool and I think that's one of the things that's been lost that why you see so much interest in these shows that are on TV now is, is that those art forms that we grew up with that we don't want to ever take our good fortune for granted we need to pass that on to others uh, simply because when you see a hand-built hot rod and you know the craftsmanship that's gone into it I've seen a lot of guys throw hammers in shops because it just doesn't work right and they come back two hours later and they start over again but there's a lot of blood sweat and tears and I think sometimes that gets lost in the translation that this this is craftsmanship these guys can make stuff with their bare hands. And I think that's what needs to be celebrated in the hobby. So when, if somebody pulls in with a car that looks like that at our event, what they, we hope comes through our staff is, is the respect that they should be given for having the creativity to be able to do what you guys do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And make it look good. I, I've, and when I get through yeah. welding, it <laughs> kind of looks like when a mistake. <laughs> I've never seen that happen. Yeah. Well, that's because the F word was taught that day <laughs> in class. I'm with you on that. I can burn two pieces of metal together, but I can't make it look good. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, shut up, Matt. <laughs> I heard the laugh back well, there. I'm, I'm, you, you welded on my Mercury. I've, I've, got, some, I've got some Brereton, uh, some, true. some work on there, that. There's a lot of grinding yeah. afterwards, but it, yeah. there's yeah. some yeah. rides on it. That's yeah. what I was going to follow that up with. I ground them off, but <laughs> they were there. They were there at one point. Uh, there was a lot of that. Yeah, we, uh, we chopped Sean's Mercury in the parking lot. Our, our show... That, that we do the whole idea of it. Of course, we're trying to we're trying to grow it this year and kind of do a little bit more. But um, our focus with our show is on the actual act of what it takes to put cars together. So we chopped his car live in a parking lot. Um, we had a lot of demos of guys gas welding. Um, another guy that we know, um, I'll say his name, Lonnie Johnson, um, did some gas welding demos in the parking lot. And, and actually showed people, people were able to come put hands on so they could actually attempt to gas weld. Um, we did bead rolling demos and they could actually bead roll. Uh, another buddy of ours, Gene, um, he does like aluminum, like buck riveted, old world buck riveted bomber seats. Um, actually that, that cool little that case box. there. I was yeah. noticing that over there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he Gene made that. Um, Gene is, is um, a retired um, tinsmith, sheet metal worker, been one his whole life, um, and he is now retired. But Matt, he spends all me, of his hand time. Hand me that so I can put it on, on the yeah the camera. He he spends all of his time piddling with hot rods and hand making, um, buck riveted, you know, works of art, man. Uh, yeah, that's and pretty it, cool. And he's super humble, dude. You know, he yeah, you know yeah. he's like, well, m- nothing I do. Is- you know, it's not professional like you do it. I'm like, Gene, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the ever. inside of his car looks like this. Yeah. I, I mean, I there's got to be a million rivets in the inside of the yeah. 31 Ford 
tutor, and it is yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of our, our that whole will be, idea. That will be in uh, Modern Rotting. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's coming. That, yeah, I'm fixing to write it. It's also episode 15. Yeah, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. episode 15 yeah. is yeah. actually Gene. Yeah, we're yeah. going to But that's our, our idea for a show is we really want to showcase um, the people and the skill and the time that it takes to actually make cars um, and, and what that looks like. Because, you know, seeing it on TV is one thing um, because that's edited. You know, you can chop a car in 30 minutes on TV. Well, in real life, there's a, there's a lot more to it, and and we want to kind of show that, and hopefully inspire. My goal normally is is anything that we do, I'm trying to inspire the next generation. Like like I I'm not worried about competition. I want you to open up next door. Please do. Um, start doing what I do. I, I you know I, I want to see it. There needs to be more guys, and there's always. It seems like there's always a, a void in in hot rodder world. Um, because they need skilled labor and there's just not people out there wanting to work, you know, make things with their hands. So I'm trying to promote that as much as humanly possible. Well, one of the, one of the people that's really trying to push that is Mike Roll from Dirty Jobs. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. That you need people that are pipe fitters and plumbers and there is, I mean, these are. That was a dude I want to meet one day too. Get him on your show, and I'll That'd I'll fly so back cool. here, and I'll sit in this chair, and I'll be quiet while you interview him. Because I'd like to be on a, a fly on the wall on that yeah, one. Yeah, that would be epic. It would yeah. be oh, so yeah. awesome. Mike Rowe, if you're out there. Let's do it. He, he's not watching us, but please. <laughs> it's okay. You never, you never, never know, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. somebody, somebody who will watch this might know Mike Rowe and be like, hey, these guys want you to be on their show. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. if you come through town, Mike Rowe, come on by. You know right. who else does that, which is you would never think, Metallica. They, oh, they, yeah. they sponsor a lot of scholarships for trade schools. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, That's what you guys didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what you guys didn't know is is this street is called Hollywood, but this one block section is known as Hollywood Dragway. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. That was a four-wheeler with a, a guy with no helmet on. Yeah. Is, we don't wear helmets here. Yeah, right. Helmets. It is yeah. illegal in Tennessee. When you bring up Metallica, look look <laughs> yeah, at yeah. how this all transcends into music, too. Yeah. Right. The passion does. behind it all. For sure. Uh, yeah. Amen. Billy you Gibbons know. and, and well, uh, J, uh, James Hetfield. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Hetfield's whole collection is at, uh, is at uh, Peterson. The Peterson. Peterson. Really? Okay. He donated his collection to the Peterson. What? Really? He donated mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Epic. He I'm can't sure drive them a, no more? I'm sure it's a really, really good ride off. No, he's just, just building more. Yeah. Just building more. Right. What wow. does the car guy need? More cars. You ain't got well, when, space. When, when you really get digging into this, there are a lot of musicians and ball players that like hot rods. Yeah. 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 And okay. it goes hand in hand. So speaking mm-hmm. of that, by the way, this is going to be goofy as hell. But my sister sent me... A link to a, a story on I don't know Wall Street Journal or something or whatever. Lady Gaga has a huge car collection. I believe that. And yeah. I'm talking like muscle cars and stuff, not not just yeah yeah yeah. yeah. What I mean, was like that movie that cars? she was, was in? That what? it was a Tarantino movie with the pussy wagon in it. No, Can I say pussy wagon on <laughs> there? Probably not. But all right. <laughs> that, that's not I Lady, just did. That's not Lady Gaga. 
That's not? No. What was that? Oh, what was her name? Lady Gaga wasn't in that movie? No. God, I should watch more TV. I don't watch TV. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. That's not the same person? No. I got to watch more TV. Lady Gaga can sing. I don't know if Uma Thurman I thought it was an alias. But no, but I mean, like, she's got... She's got hot rods, and she's got uh, she's got a '65 Lincoln. She's got a '70-something uh, Nova. She's got an El Camino. She has Lamborghini. I mean, but she wow. has like yeah. a lot of cars. Really interesting. Yeah. Uh, surprising. Uh, an original uh, Bronco. You know, like a '72 yeah. Bronco or something. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, really. Wow. So you asked what we drove up in, and I told you we just bought a 2022 Challenger. Did you guys yeah. ever think when we were younger? That the car companies would circle back and touch on that muscle car thing again. No. Like you mentioned Never. the Bronco. Yeah, yeah. Right. The Broncos are in Moab right now doing yeah. all this weird stuff. Oh yeah. And if you're a Bronco fan, you ought to be out buying one of them because they're pretty pretty awesome. But yeah. I mean, yeah. to have a chance to buy a Mustang or a Camaro or any yeah. of the stuff that we all grew up with, and if you start looking, the manufacturers are all going after each other again. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing we're trying to capture with the event is this, get off the sidelines and come out and play with this. I and mean, you saw them in the autocross. Yeah. People think their car is traffic till they go out and start running through cones, and then they start having the, holy shit, look at me <laughs> stuff. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, because, uh, well, I said it last episode, and I, I say it all the time, but autocross to me is the is the best introduction to how to drive a car that you will ever have because it doesn't matter what kind of car you go out there with you will have a blast it'll be it 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 teaches you how far you can take a car exactly and it's safe i mean you spin out at 30 miles an hour or whatever but you also then respect the car the next time and you know that if you're on the rain you better not be flying down the highway right Mm -hmm. and you and you you understand how the car actually works when it gets into super yaw on one side or another you know how far you can go you know it, it it's i mean i i road race too you know so like i spun out this weekend yeah i've seen that video multiple times did yeah. you yeah, yeah i've seen that video yeah that's yeah, spun yeah. out yeah yeah at the end of the straightaway <laughs> uh, going in going <laughs> into the car going into the carousel at 150 probably wow uh yeah so that was a little butt puckering moment but um what were but, you driving you know what i was driving <laughs> Shut up. miata drink <laughs> yeah drink <laughs> got it they they make fun of me every time i say that no we, we've started a new game we're, we're actually gonna we're gonna start keeping whiskey on the podcast and every single time somebody says miata because it happens every <laughs> podcast <laughs> We all have to take a shot. So you by the end of the <laughs> right, we'll be plastered by the end of the podcast. It'll, it'll be epic. I haven't drank alcohol since two thousand four. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll get hammered cat. really fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, but you know, it, like I, I think uh, somebody knocking at the door, man. It's one of your one of your friends. Yeah, and, they can go away. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's probably his best bet. Yeah. <laughs> But the, um, you know, anything with autocross, road racing, I, and, and even we were talking to Clay Milliken. We had Clay Milliken on. Uh, Didn't he live close to here? Yeah, 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 he's up in Drummond's, Tennessee. So we had him uh, two episodes? Yeah, two yeah. episodes yeah. ago. Look at you and, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, special. I know of people here and yeah. there. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but Clay was, um, uh, you know, he 
him and Doug Herbert uh, have a uh, program called the Brakes Program yep. that uh, you know teaches teens how to drive in situations, real world situations, and um, and I really think that there's not enough of that out there. Oh, uh, I agree. You know, 100%. it's uh, everybody goes out here and they're they're out on the interstate flying back and forth in between cars and all that. Let's and stop they just this don't right understand. here. Yeah. All these videos you guys are watching with people roll racing yeah. out on the highway, go to the racetrack Absolutely. and try this for a year before you try that on the highway. Right. Because if you put that Hellcat sideways at 140, the consequences are pretty rough. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So go to the racetrack and learn how to use your product before you put on the big ball pants and go out there and want to do a cool video. One, two, three. Yeah. Jump on it. Zing. Right. No, that's why we do events. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why Phil's dad wouldn't let him have a 70 Challenger when he was 16. That's, His that's dad was guy. wise to that's that. That's incorrect. At 10 years old, I tried to get him to order me a 70 Hemi Cuda. Okay, at 10. <laughs> but you wanted him to Epic. keep it till you were 16. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, my dad started me out and on the I have 55, and like it was a six cylinder, you know, three on the tree, and I got that, and then. When that motor finally gave up, he made me tear it apart so that I could see, all right, what happened? Why did it, why did it let go? What happened? You know, and, and, and so I learned that car, you know, and then we got put a 350 in it. And then I started, you know, then I went out and started drag racing and, uh, you know, street racing and drag racing and doing different stuff. But, um, but that's the thing is like, you learn so much more by actually touching a vehicle. That's, you know, that would be my only complaint now about, about the muscle cars of today is that they're already so fast that people don't really go and work on them anymore, right? They'll just go and put a K&N filter on it and a set of flow masters or something and cut off the, 700 horse cut off the resonators <laughs> and yeah. they're a race car driver. You know, the, the so, problem with that is, is they go from kindergarten to a college education in a day. Right. right. And right. there's all these steps. And that's why and they're that, wrapping them up. And that's why you do events. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we, we said it. I don't know if you guys know, but Memphis International Raceway is supposedly shutting down here. So that's one thing that, you know, going out to Vegas, that's why I, I was surprised that, that – I was surprised that that – facility is that old i didn't think it was that old i thought that was a brand new like well it's a very nice facility it's it's awesome state state of the art but when you talk about here in memphis them wanting to shut that down if if i lived in memphis i would be going to every elected official right and talking about the importance of being able to keep that drag strip and keep people off the highways Mm -hmm. because you can go buy a bullet at the dealership and make yourself 84 payments or 96 payments at $1,000 a month. And if, you're, if you've got the big balls, you can go have somebody remote tune that car, and it's now a 1,000-horsepower spear. Right. Yeah. And you might have a 10-cent brain. Yeah. And people mm. in the community need to understand that it's not the car's fault. It's the education. That's right. And that's why a racetrack is important because all of those activities that people have been doing – since the first two Model Ts came off. That's right. They, this is nothing new, guys. Yeah. And that's why 
drag strips are important and sanctioning drag races are important, but they're doing the same thing in Phoenix. They want to put an overpass right. on the Phoenix Raceway. Right. But as a group, people need to start paying attention because when these go away, the cost of redoing them and to get the zoning. Yeah. And we were having this conversation this morning oh. with our Uber driver mm-hmm. that a lot of the technology in his modern day car, those safety things came from the racetrack. Yeah. Somebody had to fabricate the first design to make that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It didn't just evolve or it didn't just happen. Yeah. It's been years and years and years that people have thought about how are we going to do that? Well, there was a guy in a shop with a hammer and some metal and he made it the first time. And all of that has evolved over 60 or 70 years, not 60 or 70 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. By the way, you can tell that you came from the background of a dealership because you just popped off in dealership numbers. Like, I mean, you 96 have. payments at oh a thousand. Boy. I was like, wow. Let me tell you, when it comes to that, he can be kind of scary. He's, he's, a, deadly, he's a deadly weapon in that area. I, I was impressed. I was like, dang, he just knew that off the top of his head. Well, we bought a car with a manual transmission in it, and this is no lie. When you're talking about where we are in 2022, they asked the porter to go out and move it. And, and he, he couldn't. Did, couldn't, he couldn't find the emergency And you should have seen the look oh. on his face when I says, would you like me to move the car for you? Wow. Oh, sir, would you would you do that for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not only, bad. yeah, but let me, yeah. some, why hasn't somebody shown you how to do this? Right. Too many people don't know how to drive a manual transmission, period. For sure. My, my we wife, made sure all our kids knew how to do that. My wife Absolutely. will only <laughs> drive a manual transmission. Well, wow. So if it's that evident with a car, how many guys are sitting at their home when something breaks, a simple appliance fix? Right. And so call somebody else. But yeah, if, you, if you're doing shows yeah. that are based on fabricating and making stuff work, it's going to help a 45 year old accountant have the confidence to go try for sure. So uh, that's a very good point. Cause like, you know, I, I had my washer breakdown, right? I would have never torn into that thing. Yeah. You know, right. But like, as I've gotten older and know a few more mechanical things, yeah, I was like, ah, hell, I'll tear it apart. It's you already broke. Yeah, yeah, it's broke. Right, right. <laughs> Can't break it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's just a belt or whatever. Or something came off, whatever. Normally, it's real simple. easy. My wife thinks I'm awesome because I can fix things don't, around the don't, house. Don't <laughs> tell. <laughs> hey, stop with that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. That whole thought process. Um, we do a we do a shop night, uh, open shop night twice a month, um, and it's free. It's wide open. Anybody and everybody can come. That's it, awesome. It doesn't matter. And it's it it's always tripped me out. We've been doing it. How long we've we been doing that now? Three Months? years. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm two talking about years. total. Yeah, probably two or three years. Yeah. Now yeah. you're thinking about COVID. It, yeah, at well, least three years. Well, if you want to count, you know, the stuff you were doing in Lakeland. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it goes back, man. It's probably okay. closer to four. That yeah, was before so, my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we've been doing that for for a while. And one thing that's always oh, yeah, like. Yeah, when we were out. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, out yeah, in Lakeland. Yeah, 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 I was doing that, yeah. He, he yeah. just got his memory. Uh, <laughs> I'm 150, but, uh, <laughs> man. It's tough. <laughs> right, right. Tough. But uh, what tripped me out about that is the age range of people that comes. Um, oddly, well, actually, it's not odd at all. It's very rarely younger people. Um, the average person that comes to those is anywhere from 60 to 85, you know? Mm. And 60-year-old guys like, yeah, man, I bought a project car, and, you know, I was hoping I could pick up some, some tricks because I want to restore it at my home garage, and that's the whole reason why we did it. 
is is for those guys because those guys are never bringing a car to me like they're not they they bought a project car and they want to fix it themselves and i respect that so let's let's show them how to do it a little bit better but it does surprise me at, at the age range of people that because in my head you know of course i'm mechanical you know so i'm thinking you're 60 years old you know you don't know how to do this like, right probably but, the, probably the first still, time that yeah. they've had the time yeah. and they were Right, mm-hmm. humble enough to say, I don't know how to do this, but I'd like right. to learn. For sure, I'm teachable at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you got to respect that. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. You know, I'm like more power to you. Anything I can do to help you, let me know. Uh, I'll guide you for sure. Yeah, and the biggest thing is like uh, seeing people like actually pick up and do something. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I think the first time I ever did bead rolling. Well, I know it was with you, but I, I, I think the first time I ever did a lot of that stuff was at Gene's class. Yeah. When, yeah. when he came, you know, and it was like it, rolling on an English wheel. Like, you look at somebody just going like this, and you're like, oh, that's easy. You're just rolling it back and forth. It's hard as hell, man. You can't get that thing. Like, it, doesn't, it goes wherever you want, and, like, you have to think backwards to the way that you want it to go, and then it starts curling the opposite way, and it's like... It's crazy how hard it is. Yeah. It looks, you, you know, you see it on TV, and they're just going like this, and it's like, okay, oh, well, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this uh, 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 fender, fender or whatever, you know. And, man, I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be hours upon hours to make a fender. It is. With a bead roller. It, it just, it's crazy. And then, it you is. know, you see the power hammer. and Yeah. And the power hammer is loud as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's like he said, you know, watching people like watching people yeah. that have mastered their skill, yeah. like of course it looks easy. You you watch a painter, yeah. you know, that is a painter and they're painting this beautiful picture, you're like you know, it's like uh you remember Bob Ross? Anybody ever watch Bob yeah. Ross? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he's walking you through it, you know, and it's beautiful mountainscape. I can tell you, I was that 10-year-old kid with the fan brush and the scrapers. I'm like, doesn't look like a mountain. I, I don't know what I did wrong. You know? But like watching a master do what they do, whatever it is, music, you yeah, know, yeah. sculpting anything, like it always looks easy when they're doing it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> but true. when you pick it up, it's a different deal. Yeah, very, very different. Bob, I didn't know we were going to talk about Bob Ross today. I know, right, right man? I, I love Bob we Ross. Went to Bob Ross, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, he was a big influence on you me. You never know where we're going to go on this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, those are happy mountains. They that's are. That should be a little straight. Just a happy mistake. I'm like, I don't see the mistake. <laughs> I just see a mistake. That's all I yeah. see. That's uh, funny. funny side story, and this has nothing to do with anything other than Bob Ross. When I was a tattoo artist for a living, one of my buddies that I tattooed with, big Puerto Rican guy, um, he fantastic guy. So he started watching like old episodes of Bob Ross, and and started bringing these paintings, and they were epic. It looked just like Bob <laughs> Ross. Then I'm like, this is amazing. That is amazing. Like straight up mountainscapes because he was watching old things of Bob Ross. I Good still have you. some. I'll have to. I have to man. show. Yeah, That's <laughs> nice. So uh, so you've got a 2022 out there. Mm-hmm. Do you still have? Do you have any old cars? We've owned just about everything. Yeah. And uh, Mopars. No, everything. Really? My family owns a Chevrolet dealership. Okay. Wow. We were one of the okay. oldest GMC dealers in the state of Utah. Okay. Nice. I, I have an appreciation for all cars. Yeah. And I think that's what we want people to understand when we have opportunities like this is, is you know, I'm, I don't go into Baskin Robbins and order vanilla. Right. Yeah. 
I can have an appreciation. I mean, I look around this shop and my head it just spins at what amount of work it's taken to get these cars to be in this shape that they're in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where people say, well, yeah, we're going to go to a car event. I'm going to spend two hours. Well, you missed the forest for the trees. Right. There's much more to dig down and see here. So the answer to your question is, is um, why would I not buy a new car? I mean, I've just helped broker three jailbreak cars. And those started 800 and X amount of horsepower, <laughs> but they're unlimited. What you can do, and you still put a warranty on it. Yeah. Right. God. Yeah. And uh, Jill and I were just mentioning how nice this car drives going down the highway. Yeah. And it, it's getting... We had a bet on what the fuel economy would be, would be between Nashville and Memphis. Yeah. Um, I think I won. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> besides the fact that you probably won, but, yeah. you know, one of the things in hot rodding is, is yeah. yeah, there's some great styles with the older cars, but there's also some modern technology. I mean, look how many people are putting LS motors. Right. Drive-by-wire, all of the things that are going mm. into these cars. And... We don't ever try to give uh, car events or our version of cars a description that we expect everybody else to understand or agree to. We think that cars are based on everybody's passion. Right. Yeah. And don't get worried, Sean. I'm a flipper. <laughs> so oh. so we, sure. we have a 67 GTX in our garage that has been in my hometown since 1967. Excuse me, it's 67. His dad sold it new. Wow. I watched the car come off of the new, off the truck as a six-year-old kid. Wow. And I just sat there just... <laughs> and after this many years, it's been my brother's car, and he sold it at the event. Really? Mm -hmm. wow. it, and his thought was, is it's time for somebody else to be the caretaker. Somebody else's turn to enjoy this car. For sure. Yeah. So we had our son, Zach, drive the car back from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and he's got a twin-turbo Evo, hmm. and it wasn't the same experience. Right. <laughs> totally different. For sure. But he, you know, he respected what that old car did, and that, that is a Swedish driving 67 GTX because it's never been messed with. Right. Yeah. But I can just see where we live and the temperatures. It's just I, I wouldn't want to be the guy in that car to get hit right simply because there's too much history and it's just time for another caretaker to oh, excuse me yeah, you're all right that happens regularly <laughs> yeah. it's your it turn it's just <laughs> it's just somebody else's turn to take the car and the car is beautiful it's bright red and so when i found this car online it was bright and our son zach says yeah but it's red yeah when <laughs> right? i told him what he bought a car he's like i know it's red dad but after doing this for, for 20 years, and, and go back 20 years ago, I promised Jill I was done. Yeah. I, I've been around some of the most awesome cars. For instance, we had a fabricator in Utah. Took a 70 Cuda body and morphed a 6.7 Cummins in it. Wow. And, you know, everybody was pretty sure that it was easy to do, and he's like you. Right. He had more hours in the hood than most people have in their car. Right. And when you've been around the touch of the master's hand as long as we have, you know, we, I guess we just like variety at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate okay. any of the older muscle cars. I had a Hemi car. It was the car I wanted as a kid. But 
this this won't last long. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll drive it and enjoy it, but uh, I'm gonna. I want to move on to the next car. I mean, yeah. I want a ZL1 Camaro. Yeah. See, I I, yeah. I just I don't know. I can't ever get rid of anything. I got rid of my Oldsmobile, and I still I still miss it. Like you know, I'd I'd buy that car back in a heartbeat if I. If I win the lottery, you know, whatever, I'm, but, I'm that way around some of them. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I had a, a 70 Cutlass. It was the first, you know, I guess muscle car hot rod that I ever bought, and I bought it myself right right out of boot camp in in the Navy, and it was cool, and I enjoyed it, and I had a good time in it. But I, I'm not looking for it, yeah. you know. Some it's somebody else's turn, right? You know, yeah. But um, the, I don't know the Mercury though. Uh, that that's that's the yeah. car. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. I mean, that's that's how I am with the Chevy. I mean, yeah. the Chevy's never going to go anywhere. The Fairlane may may go one day. I yeah. mean, but it has a lot of sentimental value because my dad built it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the Oldsmobile though was just so different. It was just so. So I think different. it was the, so cool. I think it was the music video or whatever it was of the girl booty dancing <laughs> yeah. in the back seat. That's right. That's right. That happened. It was in a music video. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse and Noah. Yeah. They're the Bellamy, the son of the uh, of one of the Bellamy brothers. Yeah. Really? I, I, what? I've never heard this story. You've never heard, heard this story? No. I watched the video. Yeah, you haven't seen the video? Uh, we got to show oh, you the yeah. video. It is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> is it? You'll think it's epic. <laughs> You'll love it. But, so, Sean, the answer, to, yeah. I, the answer to your question about all of the history with all of these cars is, as a promoter, I get to go out and see all the cool stuff that everybody else does, and it's just yeah. like having... Amazon at your fingertips of cars. Yeah, it's a kid in a candy store for him. And when you, at the autocross, when you saw some of those Speed Tech chassis with those warm LS motors in it and what those cars would do, I I guess I'm a glutton to my own passion because I've been able to see some really, really great stuff. And so I don't want to make too long of a stop at any bus stop. I want to keep moving and enjoy them all. Try something different, Yeah. yeah. So here's a question that we normally ask just about everybody. What was your very first car? Mine? Yeah. Uh, that I, that I <laughs> So my family's been in the car business, I think, 78 years. Wow. That is epic. And uh, I had six older Has brothers. Utah been around 78 years? 79. Wow. <laughs> this is the first year. Can you imagine being a Chrysler dealer in a small farming community with everybody having Ford tractors and Ford pickup trucks? You mentioned you're from Kansas. Nobody drove a Dodge back then. No. No. See? Not where I'm from. Yeah. Nobody did. Yeah. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> the first car. The first car. The first car. First car. Uh, so I come from a family of. I have six older brothers. Yeah. And some of my older brothers were um, quite active in drag racing and things in my little town. Yeah. And so my dad had a pretty good view from where he was on what could go wrong with his kids. Right. So I finally talked him into a 340 duster when I was just finishing high school. And the deal was, here's this ratty duster, fix it up and sell it, and we can use this money for missions in college. Okay. So it became a flipper. So it it was ingrained in me. I yeah. I took something that was kind of nice, and we made it. We put some eyeball on it, and it was a nice car. But yeah. That was my first car. What I really would have liked to have had, we had a mechanic that bought a brand new seventy GTX, mm. brand new, and that was the car I always longed for. Yeah. yeah. Was it a four speed car? The Duster. Automatic. Wow. Okay. What year? Take that. Seventy. 
7340. That was when the cars had their their album came out with the girl on the hood, and it was like, yeah. okay, look at that. That's a duster. That's cool. I can be like that guy, maybe, but not not yeah. quite. Yeah. That's how about how about you? What was your first car? Yeah. Oh gosh! See, I was not into cars. My dad was a cowboy, yeah. So it was all horses and everything. Hey, I didn't know anything right about cars until I started dating Phil, right? And he never picked me up in the same car when right. we were dating. It was always something different, yeah. <laughs> always. Yeah, he had to show so, off. Yeah, always. About? So this was all new and different to me. So yeah, yeah my first car was hand me down from my mom. It was a four door Ford Galaxy. Okay, big what old year? boat. What year? I don't even know. Don't even know. Don't even know. <laughs> it was a four-door <laughs> galaxy. Four-door galaxy, probably. Yeah, yeah. land yacht. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. a big old boat, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Dig that. Heck Dig yeah. that. My grandmother had a four-door Ford LTD. It was gold with gold interior. Oh, yeah. It was just gold a bizarre, gold. yeah. Hey, had, a tra- so, had a trailer hitch on it. I, <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't it? Right. Of right. course. <laughs> Yeah, I shot a 1979 Lincoln Continental the yeah. other day. Yeah, that's an odd car to shoot. Talk for about you. a big boat. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's it's going to be a bottoms auction. Okay. Wow, yeah. low low mile car? Is it um, or just mm, super just custom? Part or? of a no, just part of a group. Just of a 79. Okay. Kind of, yeah. My aunt had one of those. Uh, that's yeah. uh, when I think of that car, I think of my aunt's you know Lincoln yeah. you know, riding in the back t- with my it cousin. Was a tank. Yeah. It was a tank. <laughs> And but man, cushiest seats you ever want to see. Right? Fall asleep <laughs> like in that thing. Like those big old fluffy, like you yeah, know, with the, the overstuff, the, the grandma yeah. seat, like a couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Overstuff right. with the uh, buttons right. in it. Right, it's like a lazy boy. Oh, yeah, like, oh yeah. And it was it was better than my lazy boy at home. Right. I mean, like that thing. I I don't remember how many miles it had on it. I mean, it wasn't super low mileage, but it it wasn't high either. And I, I want to say it's seventy thousand miles or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Like. The seats, it were, they were like they had just come off the line. They, yeah. they were so soft. It was nice. Like, yeah, yeah, dude. You never know where we're going with this one. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not yeah. at all. Hey, 1990 Dodge Ram Charger with a four-speed in it, though. Wow. What? Yeah. That's, That's almost another the... car I shot. Okay. Yeah. That's oh. the unsellable combination back like, what the hell are we going to do with this thing probably didn't have locking hubs either did it? Yeah, no, probably not. Yeah, I don't know it may not but man I, I, I think that'll go for good money because people are looking for it'll crack 50 fast the old right. trucks that yeah. have a stick in them yeah wow. Mopar guys like those things too they no, love Mo- Mopar people are the most passionate people I think out of out of any of the three yeah, I really, I really believe that. Now, now it better be factory correct. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's that's yes. what I think. Like it's always, uh, um, I mean, the ones that are done are done very, very nice if they're you know modified yeah. and stuff. But like, but man, I, I know some some people get uh, get upset with yeah. little little things that are not. Well, can you exactly imagine how popular we were when we said we had to change the event to keep it going? Oh yeah. What, what was interesting was is it started mm-hmm. out as a Mopar event, mm-hmm. right? And it got to the point we knew we had ten years, and we're starting to lose some of the racers and the car builders. And the event's gone on for twenty years now, and we knew at some point it was either change it or it was going to have to go away. What was cool was is I I thought the Mopar guys were going to zip tie me to the fence and take a baseball bat to me. Yeah, they actually embraced it. Wow. Mm. Good. Especially order, the racers. In order for this yeah. to continue... We'll, racers just want to race. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, they're know? different than yeah. like the car show guys. Yeah. They're a little more passionate you know in their lane. What's interesting about the Mopar guys is they they've gone in phases where they wanted number matching and then they wanted hot rods. But at the event this year, we probably had a 50-50 split new cars versus old. Wow. Yeah. And you can stand there and look at a 70 Cyclone or you can look at a Cougar or a 70, whatever, you name the car. Yeah. But when you roll up to the staging lanes and there's a Challenger and a Camaro and a Mustang sitting there with a parachute on the back of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's like an the, oh shit moment. Like this yeah. is, these guys are going to get it on, and this yeah. is going to be fun. Yeah, because yeah. this is 1965 again. Yeah, right. right. And then there's a thunderbolt right next to them. Yeah, yeah. dig that. That's what I think is the coolest part of this. Is yeah. there's no definition. It's just it transcends everybody's definition. It's just it's cool. Yeah, that's why that's why I liked about uh, just just sitting there watching the cars go down. Like it was, you know, you got old couple old cars go by you have a dragster go by then you have the new cars go by and it's like and then a new car racing an old car and like it was it was everything right so it was really cool just to be able to to sit there and 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 see the mix of it and i even there was even a tesla out there right i remember that <laughs> because i was watching that i was watching that race and he was racing i want to say a gtx or a roadrunner some big b-body car right and it was bracket racing so it comes down of course the tesla's like a 930 right car or whatever and um man that i think the car in the other lane was like a 10 something so he left he left first he left good and that tesla went down man everybody like you could you could just feel the tension of right. people be like come on man come on man let come the on, mopar man. win yeah and the, <laughs> Please. That, that mopar won and everybody was like Stupid electric car! I was like, I feel kind of bad for the guy at the Tesla, but but then again, I'm like, you know, if there was ever a bracket race car, a Tesla has got to be the most perfect. I mean, it's got to be the most perfect one because it's got traction control on it. It's like everything is. It'll run the same number every time. Should yeah, should run it. I I feel like that's cheating. I do. I, I agree. Cheating. I agree. <laughs> I I do. I mean, you know, I just I don't. I, I won't go off about Teslas and stuff, but like to me, it just I don't know. It, it's still like when you saw that one take off, it's just a, you know, it, just, when you go to a drag strip, you want to hear it's it. Not you really a race smell car. it. Yeah. You know, you want to hear it. You want to smell it. You want to like feel it. I do. Mm-hmm. And you don't get any of those things with a Tesla. Right. Right. And right. you know, like, can we stick playing cards in the wheels? <laughs> it would, it would make it, it would make it better. It would make it louder. That's for sure. I'm just saying. I'm probably yeah. screwing myself now, but I feel like if I manufactured something that was like a grown-up version of playing cards for the wheels, so those cars actually, like, I'd be on to something right there, right? There They'd go. sell by the billions. You can start your TikTok channel on that. I'm <laughs> telling you, like, like I don't know, carbon fiber playing cards for your wheels, so it actually makes a noise. Maybe they should light up too when they hit. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, or the equivalent of a coke can stuck yeah. in the wheel or whatever. I don't to know match, how to do it. To match the underglow under <laughs> Right, right. So what's next for your show? You Well, hold on. I want to back up a little bit. You said you had to change the show and um, or you were going to have to stop the show. Mm-hmm. At what year did that happen? Probably uh, 2017. Yeah. We could see the writing on the wall. Yeah. So what, what was that, five six, years ago? Six years ago. Five, five years, years ago. ago. Six years ago. Yeah, yep. yeah. 
and then and you decided think, to change well, it. Well, think of our conversation here. You just talked about a Tesla. Right. And I know guys that own Hellcats and Teslas both. Right. Or a Rivian pickup truck. Yeah. And, it, you know, we have to be careful that we don't water it down too much. Yeah. But, um, but, but on the drag racing side, I don't see a problem with it. You we know? just stuck to I mean, muscle cars, American muscle yeah. cars, because that's kind of, that's the core. You go to the, you know, you start out as Mopar. I mean, you got to stick with your core because, I mean, there are events for all the other stuff. Absolutely. You know. Right. Yep. That's true. So yep. we stuck with the core for American muscle cars. Yeah. yeah. We, we could also see the consolidation of the aftermarket by the pri- private equity groups. Yeah. It's a little bit of a conversation that some may not want to get into, but... You know, if, if you aren't at the table, you're most likely on the menu. So you've got to know what's happening around you. For sure. And right. you've got to become relevant in those circles because you used to go to an owner of a business and say, you sell products directly to this consumer. Would you like to be part of this? And the answer is yes. And now that those companies have been consolidated, you go back to that same individual and he says, well, i got to go check with the county. Right. Let me run it up the hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this is where it really gets weird is the number of things that people want to talk about as far as followers and engagement oh yeah sure which yeah what you can do to so uh so what's what's next with uh with your show where uh you know have you got the date set and all that kind of stuff is will we what are we doing next year? Are we doing it again? Are we going to do it? Him. We're not, right? We not? came to Memphis to hang out with you, not to go to do more work. Seriously, you said you were going to let me hang out you, with your buddies. Now you want to know when we got... Do you need something to throw? Uh, I can yeah. give you something. So the answer to your question is, is the springtime is the uh, busiest time of the year at the track, and it is one of the busiest tracks in the country. Wow. And so once they get through May, then they start scheduling in June and July for the following year. So the answer to your question is, is there is just a little bit of a break here for us to be putting the event away. We're not through yet, but they'll start scheduling through the summer months because everything that we do in the event is at least nine months out. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's all, it's normally always in the spring, obviously last March, year, April. COVID, yeah, yeah. COVID yeah. Was, was off, but yeah. Normal schedules, March, but, April. Yeah. Well, yeah. that brings up another point when you're talking about putting on a show, people think that if you guys were putting on a show that on Friday night you make a poster and you set it up and take a picture of it, put it on Craigslist and people show up. Yeah. It's yeah. a little different than that. Yeah. It takes Amen. a lot of planning. Yeah. Well, like our show is small fries compared to what you guys right. are going on. <laughs> right. But, but, but we had it this time last year. Yeah. It was yeah. May 22nd, 23rd of yeah. last year. Yeah. So we've moved it to, to later on. Yeah. To we think it'll work better. Yeah. Well, and, Plus, because in May, have you ever been to Memphis during the May months? Yes. It, it is like the gates of hell here. And last year, I mean, and, and again, you yeah, know, you've back driven to, through all the rain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, and, it, and it, I, I want to say it was like 187 degrees that day. <laughs> and like, shocking. Um, it was, but we had no rain. Yeah, and, totally and I feel sorry for, for the guys because they're like, man, it is hot. We need some sort of shade. And of course, I'm like, man up and just get the job done yeah. you know in the blazing sun yeah because so. we, we did it we didn't put a tent 
up or anything. So it was rookie out in the sun. Yeah, yeah. right. It, we are rookies. There but, is no doubt. <laughs> but me as a, me as a photographer it was like awesome. I don't have to worry about like dark, shadows, like you know, super bright outside and then dark. And no, but I'm you have to, to worry shoot. about your gym shoes melting on this curve. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That, they had to worry about that. I didn't have to worry. Right, about right, right. <laughs> so, but, so the name of your show one more time. The name of your show. Muscle cars at the strip. Muscle yeah. cars at the strip. So are we just mu- muscle cars at the strip? Well, we kept the Mopar name on it with the Facebook page because they didn't want to have to go to, through ah. the change with that. The the yeah, most interesting thing about the show is when people read Muscle Cars at the Strip or Mopars at the Strip, they've seen this for now twenty years. Right. Right. And people still think that we hold it in front of the fountains at the Bellagio. Wow. Oh, yeah. Because of the strip. But the drag strip in Vegas is called the, the strip. strip. Right. I, I will agree with that. When I first, when I, when I, when I, yeah. when I was first approached by you, I was like, wow, this is awesome. This thing is on the strip in Vegas. It's going to be so crazy, you know? How are they going to shut I, down I the strip? So that's why we No. I was like, man, happen. this is, this is a crazy show. They actually <laughs> shut down the strip. But yeah, no. Um, but. Las Vegas Motor Speedway to me, I think is is it's one of the nicest facilities I've been to. Um, I ran the NASCAR track out there during SEMA. We had a you know NASCAR where you could do the NASCAR experience and stuff with a uh, with McLeod clutches. Thank you. Um, and and that was I mean it was such a great event and like to me. MIR is thirty six years old this year and. You comparing the two, you could see why this one is not as successful as that one, because those guys have taken care of that facility and maybe expanded it. I don't know if it started out as big as it is, but it's got it's got a road course, it's got autocross spots, it has, um, it has you know NASCAR drag racing, it has everything, and it has space, and it's it's well taken care of i mean some of the parking lots maybe could be well redone most, but. most drag strips are still getting used a lot and yeah. in all fairness to your right your facility yeah. here we have two national events yeah at our event right, right. and we we used to have nhra here right um we lost it and it's quite a compliment to hear you talk about how nice that is and we understand that and the fact that it's held in las vegas so it's a destination where people want to come right uh we sometimes pinch ourselves being from that small town in Utah that we have a working relationship and have the good fortune to be able to host an event at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Because when we walk on that property, we understand this is an opportunity and there's an expectation that we're going to bring a certain level of professionalism. And we hope that shows in the show. Yeah. Right. I think it does. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Last question from me. Any regrets about starting the show? (laughs) How long is this podcast? (laughs) However long we want it. Have you ever built a fender and got through and looked at it and says, this doesn't match that left one? It happens to me all the time. (laughs) So what do you do? I shit can it and start over. I cannot believe the education that we've had. Yeah. And the people that we've gotten to meet and get to know because of the event has all of that's probably the biggest surprise to yeah. me. Um, the friends it's been a pretty amazing, oh. amazing ride. Yeah. I mean, for Phil to have been able to 
have personal phone calls with Ronnie Sox. Right. Yeah. When yeah. he was a kid, he never would have dreamt of being able yeah. to do something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And the things that he's been able to accomplish have been pretty, pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, so, for so sure. Herb McCandless yeah. is actually from here. Yeah, he is. This mm-hmm. is his hometown. So, yeah, yeah I, I get it. I yeah. get it. It's very cool. Herb, yeah. Herb has been a good friend and a supporter over the years. And I just wish Buddy Martin happy birthday on Sunday. Oh, and he wow. replied yeah. to me in a, yeah. in a text. I mean, I'm not throwing names out here to impress anybody, but it's very humbling that, to know that you've been, that, yeah. you've been uh, given that opportunity. For sure. Uh, your question of do I have any regrets, I think that I've had the best job that any car guy could ever have. For sure. And I, I'm humbled by it. I mean, we're driving through Memphis, and we've got to spend the time with you guys. This might just be a shop to you. But I could sit in here all day long. Thanks, man. Because I know Thanks these walls talk. Yeah. And I know what they would say if I just stayed in here and listened and watched. And that's the part of being an event promoter that people don't understand. That events are not an ad on Craigslist the night before. We've been out and beat the bush across the country for 20 years. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with that has come relationships that when I bought this car the other day, I was just like a bull because I saw a red car. I'm buying it. Right. Okay. <laughs> and my kids are like, you're going to do what? And they, they don't realize that I'm lucky enough to have friends like Sean. And now I consider you gentlemen friends mm-hmm. to be able to come spend a couple of hours in your shop yeah. and, and hang out with you. And to me, that's the part of this that if I stop tomorrow, I'll have memories for two lifetimes. Right. And the amount of cool people that I've just been able to just be around is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned Ronnie Sox, and we talked about St. Jude's. Mm-hmm. And what I think people who haven't been to events don't really, if they don't understand that they should, this passion, most of these ladies and gentlemen have big hearts. And when there's a cause... Uh, like with Ronnie's uh, foundation, people have given a lot of money to underprivileged children and to, to cancer victims over the years. And it's just to be part of that and to watch people dig into their pocket to help somebody else. Is, it's, if it wasn't for that, it's just metal and noise. Right. Yeah, for sure. But the people part of it is what I like the best. Well, yeah. I was going to say one of the things yeah. that you, um, uh, you, you had a video last year of, of the it was a it wasn't wounded warriors. What was it? You were giving they were oh, the, giving away the, the, they oh, gave away cars. So that, yeah. Mopar fifty one fifty is the name of this group, and they've been quietly buying all these barn fine cars, and they turned around and they gave five cars to combat vets on September eleventh. Wow! And the cool thing about doing the show on September eleventh, we had to do it at night. And we knew that there was a lot of pent up demand and people just wanted to get out. And you were there. Yeah. It, it, loved it. I loved it. Well, you loved it, but you brought yeah. the damn rain on Friday. <laughs> I know. I know. He always does. It was, it was at like four o'clock. Yeah. Like it was supposed to open at four, I think. Or the, the gates opened at five, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And like at four o'clock, this monsoon rolled through Vegas. And I mean, like I was staying at the Bellagio because yeah. I had a friend that had Bellagio. Uh, money and um and it blew it blew like trees down in front of bellagio so wow. like it was it was like a wow. memphis kind of storm 
that blew through there and it went right up through the valley and then you know yeah. like right past the track well the, right the, before the gates open right before the gates open and i and that that event fought us like no event has ever had yeah and when when you're getting beat up you just have to stay in the game because at some point the fender's going to take shape right right and we knew that when it rained i just thought to myself okay what's next lightning mm-hmm. and uh that day that fought us but on saturday on september 11th three things happened that made that whole event worth it to me yeah. the first one was watching those combat vets stand there and be gifted a car and not only did he give them the cars the guys at 51 well parts 5150 but then he delivered it to their hometowns wow that's way handed them the title to the car and this is an open door to some of these veterans that have given so much. Yeah. And the other thing that happened that night was is when we started, we were trying to schedule a national anthem and do a, a opening ceremonies, and the racing just would not conform, and it was fighting us. Yeah. So it was supposed to be at six o'clock, seven o'clock. Finally, at nine o'clock at night. One of the racers came up to me and says, look, part of the opening ceremonies is we just had a racer from San Jose die of COVID because he had uh, underlying conditions. And 17 of his neighbors and family are here to pay tribute to him. And at 9 o'clock, six of his buddies, and he left his car to one of the racers. So at 9 o'clock, as part of the opening ceremonies, Two of his buddies come up and just did a hellacious burnout. And then they rolled down the racetrack at about five to ten miles an hour. The second cars came up and did the same thing. So you got all this white smoke. And they're playing uh, on bagpipes. There's bagpipe music being played in his honor. Wow. The third set of cars come up and does the same thing. The last car to come up was his Hellcat. And his best friend brought it up and he just blew the tires off the car. That's awesome. And they all come up the return road, and they came down. And why they were coming back down the return road, again, they're playing bagpipes, and they start into a tribute to all of the brave people that saved this country on September 11th, 20 years earlier. Wow. And you could feel, I mean, I still might, it tingles when I talk about it. Yeah. My my skin. And when the seven cars came back and parked, they had an image of him standing by the car. And these two small Hispanic ladies come up to me, and one interpreted for the other, and it was his grandma. Oh. Wow. And she looked at me, and she says, never did we ever expect this kind of respect paid for our, our right. lost one. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you realize that you're doing something that's way beyond for sure. gasoline. More than cars. <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's, that's epic. That's that is epic. epic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that. that's a good that's a good ending Absolutely. note for sure. So, um, what is the website uh, or Facebook page and all that kind of stuff that that people can go to uh, to look at the website? You need to answer that. I got yeah, a smart right. ass answer. On <laughs> <my> <laughs> answer. <laughs> is it a fans the, only the answer? Fa- <laughs> <laughs> the Facebook page is the Mopars and Muscle Cars at the Strip. Or at Matt's LV, M-A-T-S-L-V. That's kind of our ac- acronym, Matt's, for muscle cars oh, at the okay. Strip. Yep. So, And the website is the same, Matt's yep. LV. Matt's LV.com. Yep. So, okay. Yeah, so yep. you guys check it out. And uh, if you're out west, um, definitely uh, stop by, see them, 
support them because that is the biggest thing is supporting events of people who are actually passionate about about this uh, about this crazy hobby that we uh, yeah for sure we all enjoy so I can't thank you guys enough it was really well, thank a pleasure you. Man. thank yeah. you for having thank, us yeah yeah thanks, thanks. I mean, it was it was so crazy you. that you happened to be passing through town it was like yeah. he, he texted me he's like hey uh, you're gonna be in town on Tuesday uh, well I want to stop at the rendezvous and I'm like Tuesday. We don't have anybody for the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like heck yeah, you're going to be in the podcast, too, while you're at it. So very, very cool. Well, Thanks thank a lot. you guys thank you. for sure. Thank and, you. Uh, we're going to enjoy it. And you guys be safe on your trip all the way across the country. It's, it's, uh, it's one hell of a country, and that's the way to do it, by the way. I did Route 66 last year. It was the most amazing thing ever. So, so. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. We don't we don't have Javier no, to, we don't. to no, take us no. out. We normally get taken out with the 1930s voice, so we won't. Um, yeah. Matt, so, Matt, hop on here and take us out. Matt, can you do Come it? on, do it, Matt. I don't, I don't <laughs> do it. Don't be a sissy. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, this it's, has no. been. You've got you've got the what? face for radio, yeah, right. though. No. Yeah. <laughs> you take us That's out. Funny. Episode what? Yeah. Episode 14. Episode 14. Thanks, guys. Thank See you, you next time. Thanks. Bye.